0: Hey, it's Brian Zanotto here with the Purposeful Parenting Period Podcast. Today, we have a powerful guest. Her name is Yaya. She's a certified academy coaching parents international parenting coach. She's a certified facilitator for the Parent Talk Program and also for the Connection Parenting Program. She's also in the process of finishing her book, Raising Moms and Dads. And she's also the first woman in Indiana to own and operate a sporting goods store. And lastly, she's a wife of 62 years. She's a mother of five kids, mother in law to five adults, grandmother of 19, and a great grandmother to two and one on the way. So, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me, Brian.
0: Sure. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we can just go straight to the questions. So, the first question that I have for you is, What do you feel like is the general philosophy that you have as a parent? And is this connected at all to your philosophy as a person?
1: My philosophy is really a two-part philosophy. And the very first thing that I would like to introduce to our listeners is the fact that we were children before we were parents. And we have to remember that when we are parenting our children because this is what we're bringing to them in our parenting inheritances. And the second part is we parent from the heart. And Aristotle said, educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. This becomes a DIY, do-it-yourself endeavor. When an unpleasant situation arises with your children, Ask yourself, how did your mom handle a similar situation at the age of your child? And then ask yourself, did it work? Is that how you would like your child to feel? Depending on what you remember, you now can direct your issue to what you feel will be in the best interest of your child. This took me a while to figure it out as a parent, and it became better understood as a grandparent, but it's something we all can do right now
0: all right cool and um in terms of if there was a couple character traits that you feel like like are the most important in parenting or um just character traits that you that you definitely tried to instill in your own kids what would those character traits be i don't know if it's
1: a trait but i really really feel like one of the most important things that we can do for our children and for ourselves really basically is um, develop a self-worth within our kids. Because once they have the self-worth, all the other characteristic traits will fall into place, respect, and um, just the other, the emotional layers, you know, just the uh, humility and respect and the kinds of things that you want your child to be able to Go out on the world and feel confident in themselves. It, you know, we, have, we talk a lot about self esteem, Brian, but we don't really. I, my personal belief is that self esteem is fickle. Self esteem, one day you're on high because you got a good grade in school. And then yeah. the next day you flunk that another subject and you feel really down on yourself. So it's a roller coaster. But self worth is what we're born into it's in an innate emotion. It's something that we kind of we have within us every day of our lives, but we we forget about it, we kind of dismiss it. But if we bring Mm -hmm. out the self worth of a child, and we have it within ourselves first, we have to recognize that self worth within ourselves before we can even administer it. But we have to become aware of it. And we all have it. And that's what I really want to bring to parents that it's kind of a do-it-yourself kind of a program. You just kind of go within yourself. Look at your roots. How are you emotionally influenced by your parents and your environment and everything else? And it really becomes a real easy process for us to develop. We want to raise our children because we can tap into how we were raised and we can either like it or not like it.
0: The things that you were talking about, I think that yeah, they're they definitely making uh, a lot of sense in terms of uh, a lot of the things that we do as parents. It's really um, connected to how we were raised and our childhood. For you, can, can you think of maybe some, some ways that you parent that is kind of connected to how your mother or your parents raised you? Or, or like, is there certain things that you do in your parenting style that, that are different than maybe what, what your parents do?
1: Um that's a very interesting question because I didn't realize I didn't realize how important understanding ourselves were to pass it on to my children until after my mom passed away. And I remember vividly driving home from Chicago to Michigan after the funeral. And I was we had a 15-passenger van because we had five kids. And we, my husband was driving, and we were coming back from the funeral and I didn't know how I was going to handle. I had a good life with my mom. It wasn't that she left suddenly or whatever, so I had all these things in my mind that I was really blessed with. But I thought, what am I going to do now i'm I'm no longer physically my mother's child; I'm now my children's mother. What does that mean, and how am I going to go on with with this. I haven't paid much attention to how I was raised. Now it really came full force to me because now I had a major responsibility. I was happy with the way I was raising my kids, even though I was not doing everything right, of course, but I had a lot of things that were right. And all of a sudden on the radio, coming home in the car I hear there's a, a recording by Perry Como. My husband says, listen to this, Beck. You got to, you know, and he raised the volume. And it was a song by Perry Como. And the uh, I think it was dedicated to his mother who had just passed away. And the song was entitled, Everything's the Same Except for Me. And yeah. I thought that was pretty profound that I get this message on the way home. And I'm thinking, okay. So let's, let's dig deeper into that. And from that point on, Brian, is when I really decided that I'm going to try to introduce my mother to the world because she had given me so much that I, I didn't pay attention to it when I was being raised. But by golly, when I had to be the responsible one to live in a way that I wanted to live like my mom and my dad, I thought, okay, that's what I got to do now. And that's, that's where it all began. That's how it all began. And I thought, I've got to get this message out, and just like we all do. We all introduce ourselves through our kids to their outside world. That's exactly what we do. And so how do we want to introduce ourselves? How do I want to introduce my mom? How do I want my kids to introduce me to their world? Because that's how we... What we do, you know, parenting is the cornerstone for raising children and developing a child. So with that in mind, how do I want to raise them and how do I want to develop them? Because it's going to be their world.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah. I think that um every parent should should definitely just have a lot of reflection on on how they want to parent and the things that they want to emphasize too. So you were saying that you that you feel like self self worth is just a major part of of your parenting for for your children. Um, are are there are there ways that you try to, to to develop your your kid's self worth and um? Did you mind kind of sharing more on that? Just like the different ways that you were able to 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 make your children realize that they had self worth.
1: Right. Upon reflection, I can do that, Brian. I couldn't. I wasn't doing it while I was raising my children or even be becoming an adult, becoming a parent. And upon reflection, I know that the greatest thing that my parents gave to me was the idea that I could make decisions for myself that were going to be right decisions for others. And it was always about other people coming into our lives and how we want to impress them or influence them in a way. So my mom as a as a result would uh, always put the responsibility of my feelings back on me. She would help me identify what I'm feeling. I didn't know this at the time Brian when I was growing yeah. up. It was just, you know, like for example, I mean the feeling of hate would and I came at storming into the apartment one time and I was just furious with my best friend and I said I hate Judy. And I expected my mother to say, well, what did she do to you and why, you know, that kind of thing. And she says, so what does hate look like to you? And I Hmm. says, wait a minute, I don't want to talk about hate. I want to talk about Judy. And she says, well, let me tell you what hate is doing to you from my perspective. She didn't accuse me of being bad or, you know, that's not a good thing to hate. She didn't say any of that. She just wanted to know. Me to know what hate was doing to me as her as she saw me. She says, Your eyes are bulging, your face is red, your veins are popping out of your neck. You're you're distorting your entire conscience. And I said, What? You know, no. And I said, And she says, Well, go take a look at yourself in the mirror and see what you're looking like right now. And I did. And I did look distorted, which meant that my whole body must have been distorted, and certainly my mind was distorted. So I kind of took a reflection of that, and I thought, no, you know what? That's not a good word to have in my vocabulary, so I'm not going to use the word hate anymore.
0: Hmm.
1: And it really helped, but it was re- my responsibility. She yeah. just pointed that out. She didn't blame me or accuse me or threaten me or tell me that's a wrong thing to do. No, she let me decide that. And that's pretty much how I started developing and re- rec- reference in reflection, how I decided that, you know, maybe it's there's so much more that she was telling me all this time. And we talk about emotional intelligence today; it's a big, big thing. Well, that yeah. was probably my first lesson in emotional intelligence.
0: Great, yeah, I think that that was great that that your that your mom was able to get you just to reflect on on the emotion that you had. So, um, right. you know, whereas some parents might just ask the child. Um, what did this person do or why do you feel this way? She was really just trying to go to the emotion hate. Um, And for you, like at, at that point, did you get the sense that, that, that it didn't really make sense to have that like hate in your heart? Or did you have like another frame of mind during that? I was
1: probably maybe 12 years old at the time. And I thought, no, I don't ever, I don't want to ever look like that again. I don't ever want to have that expression, other people to see that expression of me. So the only way at that time for me to do that was to remove the word hate from my vocabulary. I decided I'm not going to, I'm not going to even say I hate broccoli. You know, I do today, today I say, oh gosh, I hate the way I'm behaving or I hate the way, whatever. And the other thing that I felt that my parents, both my dad and my mom did for me, that was really, really beneficial they always treated the behavior, not me.
0: Yeah.
1: And that became such an important part of my teaching of other, to other parents. You're going to love that child. That child is not going to always do what you want it to do. But until the child understands that the behavior is what's unacceptable, not you, they're going to continue doing what they're doing. Because yeah. they're getting away with it. And, you know, so that's another part of my philosophy from the heart.
0: Great. Yeah, that was something that, that I mentioned um, in the Raising an A series that I did. Um, so like in, in, in one of the videos, I was talking about that, where you, where you want to label label the behaviors and not the child. And um, the thing that I was mentioning there was, I think, some children, they might like, there are children that like lack um, self-worth or self-love. They might have parents that you know when they do something bad, then they'll call the the um then they'll call the child bad. Um, so like you you definitely don't want to la- label the child in a negative way, and you want to instead label the the behavior too. Um, and also yeah yeah um, something that you were mentioning towards the beginning, you were saying that you want to raise or that you emphasize respect in your parenting. Um, and one thing that I want to ask with that, do you mean in terms of your children to respect themselves and to respect other people? Um, and if so, how are you able to raise your kids to have that respect? So
1: it, it took me a while. It took me a while because I was so busy raising my children that I really didn't pay attention to them. It's an interesting dynamics when you think about that when, when you're raising your kids, you're so busy wanting to do what you think is right that you don't really get to their feelings. And this I'm learning this as, I, as the kids get older as adults and as my grandkids come along. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that respect means, Brian, one of the definitions of respect is a cooperative endeavor. You cooperate with one another's feelings. You don't dismiss them. You don't ignore them. You don't emphasize them. But you cooperate with the other person to come to a reasonable solution for that feeling because you can't grab a hold of a feeling. It's it's not like picking up a book and saying, "Okay, read this part. It's no, it's a feeling. It comes from the heart Mm. and the heart goes to the brain and the brain gets a thought and the thought becomes action. It all starts in the heart, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, this is my research, and from my own experience with my own mom. Everything begins in the heart. Yeah. Our feelings, our thoughts, our actions, and how we do that. So it took me a long time, and now I'm I mean, I'm I'm so in love with my children and my grandchildren right now. I couldn't be in a better place in my life, but it's taken me a lot of years to get there. And I don't want parents today to realize that they've got so much within themselves and that no one or no one loves their children or knows their children better than the parent. No one. They'll have influences along the way, different influence, and their environment will be influential, but no one knows the child better than a parent, and we are the most important people in the world to those children. We're the first responders to their emotions. We are. We have to be aware of that because we got so much goodness in us. We have so much goodness. That's where the self-worth comes in. That's where it comes in. And it's born. We're born with it. We don't even have to go after it. It's there.
0: Yeah, it's not it
1: that easy. So, you know, go back to our roots to be able to know, how do you want to be introduced to your children's friends because, without even being seen? That's what we're doing. We're passing that along.
0: I'm definitely with you there. Um, parents just have to be, just have to take pride in their parenting and just be aware of really all of the power that they have as a parent. I do want to go back to, to um, something that you said actually prior to this podcast, when we were in conversation, um, you were m- mentioning the quote from Frederick Douglass, where he once said, it is easier to build a healthy child than it is to repair a broken adult. Um, so that's kind of tied in, I think, to what we were talking about, where, um, of course, like the parents are the most important person in a child's life. Um, and Just really just shapes, um, just kind of shapes the child's growth um, when they're a child. And that, of course, plays into when they become older. So, So, for you, what do you think that that quote means to you?
1: What that quote means to me is that when we are aware of how good we are within ourselves, and that's what we bring out to our children, we're helping them understand their value, their self-worth back again, because once they get to a point and it's, it's all in the formative years, but it also extends into their adult years. It's, it's an everlasting thing when we trust our children to behave in a manner that is going to be good for them, good for them first, so they can be good. They can pass that on and, and, give it to others. That's where it begins. And it, it perpetuates itself. We can perpetuate goodness because we got goodness inside of us. Why yeah. wouldn't we want to let the child know? And the other thing, Brian, that I feel is very um, significant is that the way we talk to our kids. We need to talk to our kids in a way that we let them know we understand what they're feeling or we think we do and if we don't know what they're feeling we ask them what they're feeling rather than tell them or give them orders or make demands on them mm-hmm. so it looks to me like you're feeling kind of down today Brian tell me what's what's going on in your day what went on in your day to make you make me feel like you're you're not you're you're not yourself. I don't see you as yourself. So you ask that kind of a question instead of, hey, what's going on with you? What's you know, whatever. And I've done these things. I know what I'm talking about because I have expressed myself this way. So that's one thing. Help them be aware of what they're feeling, good, bad, or indifferent, because all of the psychologists that I've read have said all feelings are acceptable, but not all are beneficial.
0: It really boils down to. Um, it's kind of like trying to model for our children too. So it, 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 if we want our children to be able to, to understand their feelings and to, to just try to like manage their feelings in the best way that they can, then we, we have to to try to manage our own feelings too. And, and, and we can't just kind of, um, kind of like tell a child that they're feeling a certain way when they're not. So, um, that kind of goes back to just respecting how your child feels and respecting their feelings too. And then your, and then our children would then re- respect their feelings too. One thing that I wanted to ask too, I know you mentioned humility at the beginning. Um, ha- how would you define what humility means? How would you kind of make your children understand the importance of it? too?
1: I have a story about that. When I was, uh, we were doing really well in the soccer business. And I had, you know, lots of people around me, but I had one very good friend and we would go to soccer games and we would always associate with one another. And and the business and and like I said, the retail business was going really well. The team business was going really well. The family business became a family business. And uh, we were walking my friend, Abby, and I were walking away from the um, soccer game. And she says, Becky, she says, I don't understand why. I mean, you're nicely dressed, you present yourself very well, and you have this ugliest purse in the world that I've ever seen carrying around with you. And I started laughing. I says, Abby, this is my humility purse. Anytime I think that I'm getting really big for my britches, I take this purse with me because I think, slow down. There are so many people before you that got you here. You better appreciate all of those that came before you because you're you're not so hot after all. Look what they've done to get you to where you are. So the humility part is giving of yourself to others. You're not such a hot shot in anything that we do. None of us. Because there are plenty of people that have come before us that have got us to where we are today. That's humility to me.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense. Um, Just having that awareness um you know of of all the people that came before us and all the people that are here now too
1: right
0: um, yeah well would you also say would you would you say that like um like wanting to to get better and to then and to improve and, and knowing that we can improve do you think that that is kind of part of humility too or would you define that as something else just
1: if we follow our heart All the things that we were born with. And there's so many wonderful emotions that we were automatically born with. But what happens after, because we're all born naked when you think about it. And all of a sudden, we put layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of emotions based on that naked body. And then we get to be 15, 16 years old. And we're thinking, okay, where did this come from? How did I develop this? How did I become such a love, loving of nature? Or how did I, where did this come from? And when we go back and realize what we have with inside of us, because we were born with it, we can tap into that rather than the, the negative stuff that's going on in our lives. And there's a plenty of negative stuff that's going on in our lives, what we do with that is going to be the measurement of our own personal successes. So it's important that we tap into those things that are within us and dismiss those. And that calls for change and change is tough. However, when we give ourselves choices, and we can do this with our kids, we can always start with giving them choices. Do you want... For breakfast, do you want scrambled eggs or do you want pancakes? No, I want Cocoa Puffs. No, no, no. Today we're having scrambled eggs or pancakes. Which is it? And they say, okay, well, then I'll have pancakes. And that's helping them make a decision for themselves. Yeah. And they feel empowered. So we can make give kids choices all along the way until they're, my kids are 61 years old. I still give them choices when they ask me something. Yeah. If they ask me something, they don't always ask me something, but when they do, I give them a choice. Well, this is what you can do. And I gave you a perfect example of my daughter, who had a four, whose child was three, and he refused to get into a seatbelt car seat. He refused to get into his car seat, and she was always so frustrated with it because. She had to get to where she wanted to go and he was giving, making her late or whatever it was appointment. Mm. And she came to me and she says, I, I'm, I can't stand it. He won't get in his car seat and I can't go without him being in this car seat. So I says, well, give him a choice. She says, there are no choices, mom. It's against the law. If the kid doesn't get in his car seat, we can't go anywhere. And I says, no, there's gotta be a choice here somewhere. I don't know what the choice is, but we started mm. talking about it. And I says, why don't you ask him, if he wants you to put his seatbelt on, or if he wants to do it. Mm -hmm. And she asked him and he said to her, I want to do it. And it took him maybe five or 10 minutes, not that long to fumble and fumble and fumble, but she let him do it. Never had, I mean, it wasn't a matter of whether he was going to get in the car seat or not. He was going to get in it. It was just a matter of how. And so, Once he decided that I can do this by myself, which is a stage that most kids go through, they want to be independent. You have to hear that. But there are always choices in everything we do. And when we talk to kids and give them choices, that becomes their decision. And they feel empowered to be able to make other decisions that are going to be in their best interest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great. I think that that's definitely a great story on. And and also that kind of definitely, as you were saying, like it just empowers the child to make their own decisions and and just have that self respect. too. um, that's something that I'm going through with my child too now. Um, so my oldest child Ace, he's two, he just turned two, um, and I I, I definitely just try to just try to create, um, like s- scenarios where I where I can give him some choices for things or say it, if he doesn't want to do something, then I might give him. A choice so so say he doesn't want to to, to clean his mouth after eating or something. then right. i'll say something like um Ace, do you want me to kind of help you clean your mouth or would you want me to give you a light like, cloth so you can clean it yourself so um so j- just just finding those ways um to give the child choices i think that that definitely helped yeah and end. he may say
1: to you i don't want to clean my mouth yeah. and you say that's not an option what you have now are two choices. You can either clean your mouth with floss or you can rinse your mouth out with whatever, but you're going to get your mouth clean. How do you want to get it done? You don't allow them to just be randomly do whatever they want to do because you want to direct them. The choices that you give, we give our kids have to be something that we can live with as parents. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, go to your room. Doesn't mean anything. I mean that that does nothing to a child. That means that I'm a bad kid. That's what the co- the kid thinks. Oh, I must be really bad. I had a situation where a mom called me and she said that I I didn't know how to handle the situation where she, she had a confrontation with her 5-year-old. Major confrontation and she's sent him to his room. And he came back after a little while and you know, he went to his room and she was pleased because because she got her way. She felt at least I get, you know, I got that done with and I'm making him feel bad. Well, he came back and he said, mom, are you always going to hate me? And she says, what do you mean hate you? I love you. And she says, well, he says, well, you, you talk so mean to me. How am I going to not have you hate me anymore? And she said to him, she says, I don't hate you. I love you. And I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you that what going to the room taught him that he was a bad kid. That's all he got out of that message. And there was so much more we could have learned from the incident. It, it, get mad, get angry. I mean, I'm from the Mediterranean area. I mean, I I have a lot of emotions and I got angry with my kids a lot, which I'm sorry about, because I, which I've learned from. But when we talk to them in a way that we... Want them to feel the responsibility of their behavior. They're going to learn what they want and what's good for them, and that's what they're going to pass on, and that's what we're passing on to them. So there's so many examples I could give you of our words and how we talk to our kids. I'll tell you one thing doesn't work is uh, go to your room or time out. That all suppresses the feeling. It just suppresses the motion, just goes, goes nowhere. And you don't have to talk right away. You can say, we'll talk about this when we're both in a better frame of mind. Let's not, let's not go there now. We'll talk about this when we're both in a better frame of mind, because I'm angry too. I'm disgusted with the way you're behaving. You know, I mean, we're natural. We're normal people, parents. and it's the most important profession we'll ever have and it's run by amateurs because who knows how to raise a kid we don't get instructions the kids don't have instructions so we got to go by the seat of our pants and what's within us what's inside of us pay attention to who we are
0: yeah and um i I think what what you're saying is 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 also connected to to um what, what what we were talking about before with um making sure our our children just have that um, that self-worth too so of course like you know in in the scenario that you were talking about the parent sending a child to the room then then the child kind of thinks that they're a bad kid and the parent doesn't like them then the then that child might not really have um, like a, a strong sense of self-worth so I think that does definitely something to keep in mind too yeah and um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the conversation we do at the Bring it to an end soon, though. I, I do want to go to my second to last question, which is just um, to someone that, that's hearing this podcast, um, what's the best way to get in contact with you going forward?
1: Thank you for asking me that. I hope I hear from some of you. You can go to my website at com. Yaya is spelled Y-I-A, Y-I-A. And actually that stands for grandmother in greek so you understand where it's coming from you can also contact me by text or phone 317-508-1667 or you can email me becky at hugs awesome
0: Um, Then my final question is, what would you say is your mission statement as a parent?
1: Live the legacy you want to leave behind. Live the legacy you want to pass on to your children. And my mom used to say to me when I was growing up, where you are, I've been, where I'm at, you're coming. So I say to you listeners, thank you for listening for one thing. And then I want to say, you've been where your kids are emotionally. You've had the same feelings. They're just different events, but the feelings are the same. So they're coming to where you are. They introduce us to their world. And how do you want to be introduced? And what kind of a world do you want for them?
0: There was was so much that you shared today that I I definitely think that um, people that are are hearing this are going to take to heart. I think it's so important just for our children to to have that self worth, to be empowered to to make the right choices for them. And um, one one final thing I want to ask you, I I know you said you're in the process of writing your book. Um, do you know when your book is gonna come out, or or um, are are you still like at at, at the beginning? It's
1: a work in progress, Brian, and it's been a long time. But I'm trying to um, do, I have I have a, a whiteboard. With a child holding a placard of forty-eight pleas, it's a uh, pleas of children that I've talk, talked to over the years that they would have liked to have said to their children, right, to their parents, but they were afraid of recrimination or afraid of you know misinterpretation or whatever. And I I kind of reworded it. It's um, forty-eight slogans. You know, some of them are when I say I hate you, I don't mean I hate you. I mean I hate the process by which you're you're uh, treating me. Or uh, please be my role model. A kid is never going to say that to a parent. Or, you know, so many slogans. Uh, and I'm in the process. I finished 26 of them. I've got so many. I've got the slogans. I just don't have the content. So it'll be a little while longer because I keep changing it all the time. But it's raising moms and dads. And that's what we're doing When we, as parents, of uh, adult parents. We're raising p- potential moms and dads. So yeah. what do we want to perpetuate, perpetuate, perpetuate? That's what we're doing. That's our job. And yeah. we're amateurs at it. We got a lot to learn.
0: I definitely think just like just wanting, I think like the first step is just wanting to be, to be the best person and the best parent that you can be. And then and then from there, um, as you were saying, of course, um, everyone is going to make things that they, or make choices that they regret as a parent and you're not going to be the perfect parent but the most right. important thing is is just to to try to learn through it so, be aware, I,
1: just be aware just and yeah. be present and you know this has been wonderful brian i thank you very much for this opportunity
0: yeah yeah i think that it's definitely been a great conversation so um once again thank you too for wanting to be on so
1: you're welcome thanks for this chance to do this